everybody. Dave McKeown here from Outfield Leadership. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Lead Like You Give a Damn, where I interview uh, leaders and leadership experts who have cracked the code on leading with authenticity, purpose, and effectiveness. And this is such a great episode for you. It's probably my favorite that I've done to date. Um, I have um, a wonderful entrepreneur and business leader uh, called David Hyatt. David is one of those people um, that I admire from afar a lot. He uh, has started uh, two hugely successful clothing brands um, and he runs the Do Lectures uh, from his home in West Wales. And I think, uh, from my opinion, he embodies the spirit of outfield leadership of leading with authenticity, purpose and effectiveness probably more than uh, anybody I've seen in a while. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode. We talk a lot about leading with purpose. We talk about um, being consistent in your messaging and telling a good story, both externally and internally. And we talk about the strategic purpose of saying no. Um, so take a listen. Would love to know your thoughts. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email or a tweet and we'll see you soon. Well, hey, David, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, yeah, sitting in the, the chicken shed in West Wales um, talking to you, and it's a lot sunnier there with you now. Um, <laughs> it is with me. You win. <laughs> uh, well, yes, yeah, so we did have some rain yesterday. I had to put on a raincoat, which was a little unusual for Southern California. Yeah, you have but, to get the uh, dust off first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the chicken shed, What is? let's start there, David. What is the chicken shed and why well, are you sat there? Um, well, this is where I do my writing from and uh, this is where we run the do lectures from. Um, but it is my little sanctuary of mostly I, I put my headphones and I, I, I'm, I can put the music on, I can write and have no distractions so um and i i do most of my uh work here really mostly in the afternoons i have three hours where i just um yeah kind of try and be as undistracted as i can that's fantastic and there and are there any actual chickens around you uh no i mean actually the fox um the fox liked the chickens more than i did um, oh, gosh. <laughs> we all go to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but maybe electric fence this time yeah, something a little bit more technologically advanced. So, so David, just you mentioned the do lectures there. Why don't you just give us a, a brief history of David Hyatt? What, what's your own leadership, your career been like over the last number of years? Yeah, I mean, uh, very quick speed bio was um, I was bankrupt at sixteen. I, I, I managed to persuade my dad to give him to give me uh, half his life savings because I wanted to go and start a sports brand because that was what I was obsessed. By um, and six months later, um, yeah, so grew up in the South Wales Valleys, and um, you know, all the coal miners went on strike, and so nobody had any money. Mm. So, um, uh, I had to go and explain to my dad that um, I'd lost all his money in six months' time. You know, mostly people are much better at that at losing money than I was because they, they take much longer at it. <laughs> Um, I thought, well, let's speed failure up, shall we? Um, but I explained to him, I said, well, look, I learned, um, uh, I learned, I loved this, doing this thing. Mm. And he said, well, you know, the next lesson is to learn how to be good at it then. Um, mm. so you spend more time at it. Um, so I went to college, I got thrown out. Um, yeah, then at 21, after a year and a half, unemployed, 
I got a job in what was, you know, the world's most creative advertising agency at the time called Saatchi and Saatchi. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't spell. Uh, I thought colons were a disease and semicolons <laughs> were a complication. Um, I had a great time there. Um, and uh, actually, um, you know, the CEO of Saatchi's at the time decided he was going to buy Adidas. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and he did. And for the last six months at Saatchi's, I worked on the advertising pitch for um, you know, Adidas. And, um, but for whatever reason, we didn't win it. I think there were some complications between Charles Morris and uh, Louis Dreyfus, uh-huh. uh, a bit of politics. Um, so the next week, I took a £20,000 pay cut uh, and went to work for the uh, company that did win the Adidas pitch. I spent a year and a half writing ads that my boss didn't want to um, accept because uh, his strategy for Adidas was different to mine. Um, and I took those ads and I, uh, and I started a company out of that voice. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, that company was uh, Howie's. Um, and I started that in 95 and myself and Claire moved to Wales in 2001. And uh, we, you know, we started our first day in Howie's, you know, six years after it started. Our first paycheck was six years after we started it. Oh, wow. Um, we grew it like crazy. It, it did really well. Um, and we had all sorts of companies from uh, PPR, on Gucci, Yves Saint Laurent, and Puma, and uh, Stella McCartney, um, yeah, Japan's Richest Guy, who owns Uniqlo, um, Steve Case, who started AOL. And uh, in the end, we um, sold it to Timbaland. But the intention was to really um, use their partnership to go and grow it and actually become the thing that we really wanted it to become. And at the time, it wasn't a good time in Timland. We're having difficulties, and when the when the parent gets sick, you know the the, the children suffer. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we kind of left, um, and you know, for a year or so, uh, I was definitely in the doldrums. Of I'd felt like we'd half finished something. And right. that particularly wasn't a good feeling. Um, and Claire was then running Howie's on her own, and that wasn't very good because she'd come home and talk about it, and I didn't want to talk about it. And um, it was a miserable time, to be honest. It was a hard time, mm-hmm. you know, but um, pain does make a good teacher. Um, mm-hmm. So I wrote a business plan. Uh, yeah, and the, the context, which is important to the story, is... My town had Britain's biggest jeans factory in, in and it made 35,000 pairs of jeans a week for you know, nearly 40 years. Um, mm-hmm. Why that is, is important is in 2002, that factory closed and 400 world-class makers had nothing to make. Uh, so I'd written a business plan about making jeans and I'd, it was pretty raw when I was writing it and I was kind of like, I was questioning whether I wanted to run around the same track twice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever done that thing of, you know, you know, when we're repeating ourselves, it's, it's not that we can't do it. It's just, do we want to do it? And right. I had one conversation at that point with, you know, Gideon Day, who is the, now our designer. And he said, well, actually it's not about you, Dave, it's about the town. 
And mm. if you don't go and do this thing now, all those skills at some point are going to be lost. And what was the point in making them, learning them, if those skills don't get handed down? Mm-hmm. And I, I put the phone down and I said, actually, it's not about me. It's about the town. So, so then we, um, in 2012, we started Hyatt Denim and its aim was very simple. It's still simple. It's always going to be the same aim is can we get 400 people their jobs back? Right. Um, the do lecture, how actually had no in value only cost them for me to um, take it away from them. Uh, you know, like, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, um, but not everything in the world has to be a business and some things have to uh, exist because they're beautiful, like a flower. And, um, right. and the do lectures, you know, exists to take you from point A to point B. Um, you know, that, you know, where you are now and where you could be are very different places. And, um, and we try and shake people out of that settling for where they are right now. Um, right. So that's a very, actually, maybe not that quick a story of um, a speedball, speed bio of David Hyatt. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. But, I mean, it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's an interesting story. Well, at least that, you know, I, I think so. Absolutely. And throughout all of that, David, do you have an underlying sense of purpose or drive or direction that you were going in? Um, Or has it just been bit by bit you've discovered your way to where you're at? Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, like you like when you're a parent, you think your kids are not listening to you and actually they listen to everything you say. They're listening to how you say it. They're listening mm. to you. Everything about your mood and like everything. Um, so I used to catch a bus to school and every morning to my left at half past eight in the morning, there would be coal miners uh, going into work and they'd be holding their cans and they'd be all clean. And then 3.30, it just happened to be the timing of the shifts. Um, and 3.30, they come back and, you know, to my, to my right, they would be the same miners, um, you know, like their faces all black, um, mm. you know, holding the cans to go home. And, yeah, and I tell that story because actually one morning, um, like, they were there and the next morning they weren't. And in a community, like, you're closing all the pits, whether that was the right economic reason um, for that was – it suddenly those communities literally had their engine taken away. Right. Yeah. And, and the same for my town, like, um, yeah, it had its biggest employer close the gates one day and 400 people in a town of 4,000. That's a lot. Right. And, and so, um, so in terms of purpose, um, you're shaped by things that you see every day and, I remember when I, you know, I used to go down to my grandfather's. Both myself and Claire's grandfathers were coal miners, and uh, I was going to see, visit my nan, and I'd run across the river, and I'm going, "Wow, there's something wrong with the river." And uh, like, and my nan's going, "What do you mean there's something wrong with the river?" I said, "Well, it's not black," and she said, "Ah, oh, that's because the coal miners 
uh, were on holiday. <laughs> and so there's, so it was bringing industry and, you know, it was sustaining the community. It was also polluting the rivers, right? So right. everything, everything there like shapes your thinking, you know, but the, you know, the, the National Coal Board were also, um, you know, built the libraries. So, mm-hmm. um, so they were trying to educate them, the coal miners. I mean, so there's complexity in my answer in as much as they were polluting, um, you know, they were responsible for the health of the community, but they're also like, um, you know, it was a very dangerous industry. Do you mean, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, you, you take those steers, don't you? Where, so in a small town, I suddenly go, wow, I've seen one community ripped apart by its, um, its purpose being taken away. Yeah. Um, and I just wondered and had the question in me is going, well, can we get 400 people their jobs back? Mm-hmm. And, um, and the answer is, yes, we can, uh, but we're helped by an extraordinary moment in time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whether we like all every aspect of social media, you know, the Facebooks and the Instagrams and, you know, the mediums and the Twitters and, you know, the Snapchats, and they're like roads in the sky. Um, and for a small maker, it means that, you know, it's changed the economics of the entire industry because suddenly you had to have huge budgets to go and tell your customer that you were there. And now right. if you can tell your story and make a great product, actually you you go global from day one. And and that's an extraordinary moment where, you know, and yes, are people using those platforms and those roads in the sky for bad reasons? I'm sure like human beings, right? So um, we'll always find a way to use something and mess something up. You know, if we build a road and we drive too fast, is it the road or is it is the person driving the car? Right. But I mean, so a magical moment in time, in as much as they've allowed us to tell our story, so our story can travel further, faster, and freer than ever before, and mm. that's an extraordinary moment in time. So, so next to the soul machine, you know those. You know, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Twitters, the mediums, and all those things, they're the next most important tool in the company because they, you know, one level we make a gene with one of them, but we have to tell the story with all the other ones. Mm-hmm. And, and there's definitely one thing that just shines through in, in everything that you've done since I've started following you, which has been about five or six years, and it is just the power of story. Um, yeah. and telling story um, how clearly it's important to you from an external perspective you can maybe talk a little bit about uh, uh, that and, and what you've learned but do you use the power of story internally in your organization is it something that helps you rally the troops well I think um, yeah, purpose is interesting and, it, and it's important for us to obviously uh, tell it outside in terms of to our customers but it's really important that the culture inside understands why it's so important. Um, right. You know, for the do lectures, I mean, I make a point of saying, look, you know, you know we create free talks to the world. I mean, like we're, we're trying to help, you know, it exists to help others. Mm-hmm. And, 
And I make a point of reading out, you know, on the Squarespace app, I can see all the people from all around the world, like watching the talk. So I tell them mm-hmm. you know, every, almost every Tuesday, I'm going, Hey, you know, like we're in this chicken shed in Cardigan in West Wales. We're closer to Ireland than to Cardiff. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there's someone right now in Poland, there's someone in Portugal, there's someone in Korea, there's someone in America, there's someone in Australia, there's someone in New Zealand watching the talks that, you know, we've helped create. And, and I, I think it is important for any business to cultivate the purpose you know, within the group continually. Because mm-hmm. actually, um, you know, the, the, the interesting thing for me is you know, people get bored by their own story. So they think mm-hmm. they have to invent another one all the time. Um, mm-hmm. They don't. Um, you know, like you have to admire Nike because they've been saying just do it for you know, 25 years in, in 167 different languages or whatever. But it's the same story. It's just different executions of it. And, and you know, like, and I say to everybody, you can look, we're going to get 400 people of jobs back. Mm. Um, we're going to pass the skills on. We're fighting for the right to make. Um, it doesn't really matter if uh, our competition have more money than us. It doesn't matter. Like, having the bigger budget than us right now isn't as important as us being fast. Right. Um, and so, so you have to keep telling the story and it's a, a real lesson to companies where they forget going, Oh yeah, we got a great story. You go, yeah, well tell it every week. Right. Cultivate that purpose because actually that's, that's the reason you're going to find great people. And that's why you, you're going to keep hold of great people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think there is something coupled with all of those mediums of technology that you mentioned that I think makes people feel like they almost have to change their story on an almost daily basis. Otherwise they're not going to get the attention that they need, whether they're selling themselves or a product or service. But it sounds like you're saying you've got to maintain consistency of that story throughout in order to, to really truly tell it. Well, I think uh, it's, I think consistency is a very important word. And uh, it's, you know, if you look at what Yvonne Chenard has done at Patagonia, you go like, he's using his company to tell about, you know, the environmental damage that's been done to the world. And mm-hmm. um, now the, there can be different executions of that same story, but the story is the same. It's just different executions of the story. And, mm-hmm. and I think people make a mistake of going, oh, I need a new story. You go, no, you just need a new execution of the same story. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've said this. My town is making jeans again. Right. And regardless if it's CNN come down, BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Monocle, Creative Review, it doesn't matter. It always starts with the same thing. It might be a different yeah, angle on it, but it's essentially the same story, right? So, right. Um, yeah, there's, there's one thing that when, when I'm working with um, – other leaders and organizations that I say to them when they're talking about their mission or their purpose, it's only when you get to the point where you're starting to feel physically sick about saying it again, that your people are starting to truly get it. Um, yeah. And just, just that repetition and, and just this, the, the sense of, Oh gosh, I'm going to get up and have to say this again. It's only at that point that people are really, truly getting what you're saying. Oh, completely. And it's, um, and it's, you know, you think everybody's getting it and you think everybody knows it and you go, actually, you just have to like, I think 
just like a farmer like cultivates the land you have to cultivate the purpose you have to look after mm. the field you have to plow the field you have to cut the field you know, you know you know come come august you you take you know the hay off the field and store it but you you have to cultivate it right and, and that is a continual thing it's a practice a daily practice it's probably a weekly practice but sitting down with the team like and i just literally you know, like same thing, just like we're going to get 400 people jobs back because, you know, we're fighting for that right to make, you know, this town is making jeans again. And with the mm. do, I, I, I say to him, and we struggle with the do, right? It's like, I'm going, the better we are being a business, the more people we can help. Mm-hmm. And we're in here, like, you know, the, the do is about trying to help others. You go, well, we can only help others if we can be a business. Mm-hmm. And, and so like it's it's so important and i think from a leader's point of view is like that thing of like a story is not just something you tell at the the annual conference mm. it's, it's um something you you day day in day out and there's a wonderful book called the power of moments um i don't know if you've read it you know chip and dan heath Mm-hmm. And there's a story within it about you know cultivating you know purpose, and they uh, I think the experiment was by a guy called Adam Grant, and basically he had two groups of lifesavers, and um, on one group he split them and told them actually you're gonna <clears throat> you know you're gonna learn great skills here, and and this is really great for you. And then um, the other group, he said, look, you know, basically you're going to save lives. And uh, he, and he gave some stories about other you know, lifesavers who saved lives and how they felt. And you know, obviously the, you know, the meaning group uh, in which they, they called it, they gave, was it 43% more you know, of that group volunteered to help and put extra yes. hours in. And that was a 30-minute conversation with them. And, you know, so imagine if you had a 30-minute conversation with your team and just go, like, we all know this, right? We all know that we're going to go and get 400 people of jobs back. We all know why, right? And mm. um, you know, because this town isn't going to just be a tourist town. We're not going to thrive six weeks a year and suffer for the rest. Right. But, you know, this town's going to thrive all year because we're going to fight for these skills to be passed down to the next generation. And, and so it's, it's that cultivation and actually a, a weekly practice of telling that story and reminding everybody why we do this thing. Gotcha. That's why we have um, church once a week. Right, right. Uh, it, the other thing that I think comes through a lot in, in what you're doing is the ability to say no to things. Um, yes. With Hyatt, I know for a long time you talk about doing one thing well. Yeah. Like yeah. How, how important is that in achieving your story and, and what you're working? Well, I think um, I think it's really important because actually, uh, you know, what you're trying to guard is your time. Right. And um, and people think they have to say yes to everything because everything is like tempting. You know, like. I mean, after this, you know, conversation at four o'clock, I have to have a conversation with a very, you know, actually one of the biggest department stores in Britain who wants to do a collaboration with them. And I have to say, look, do you know what? It's, I, I just can't tell the team that we're going to do this thing because actually our focus is elsewhere. 
Mm. Um, so you have to, and yeah, it's a very tempting thing, uh, and and that's the problem with these things. They all seem like super uh, tempting, and they're all great. And you know, this department store is one of the best in the world. So, but you have to say no to things because actually you have to be really particular with your focus. Right. And you know, for us, our focus is building relationships with customers directly. And and you go right, okay, that's the focus then. So when the and it's like a compass. I mean, and that's mm. what you know your purpose is is to keep you going in the, in the right direction because there will always be other things that want to take you in a slightly different direction, but one degrees off, two degrees off over a period of time is a huge amount of distance away from where you should be. Right. Yeah. It's like whenever you're just a degree off hitting your golf ball, as I always am, you don't end up a degree off where you want it to go. You end up in the rough or the bunker or in my case on the other other hole. So there's a, there's a huge impact for that one degree. I mean, it's, there's, there's a huge cost for that saying yes to something that you know, you shouldn't be saying yes to because the thing that you should be really focused on in order to do your best work you've ever done, you right. have to have all your attention on it. Right. And, and does that get, does, is that getting easier for you as you progress through your business life? I mean, there must be opportunities where you're just like, I cannot believe I'm turning this down now, but I know it's the right thing to do. Does that get easier? I think it's easier because you know the cost of saying yes. Right. Because maybe you've said yes before and you're going, oh, man, why am I doing this? Um, and oh, it was really tempting because they give us a large amount of money. And, um, and, but I think as you have that wisdom of going, actually, do you know what? if we just concentrate on getting better today than we were yesterday, um, and rather than trying to you know, have the ego going, oh, that would be really nice if we did this, and um, you just go, like, just focus and actually, when there's extreme focus, the results are really good. Right. And so the temptations of saying yes to other things becomes less because you know actually the focus and the requirement for you to do the best work you've ever done, you know the result that will give it long term. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it gets actually easier to say yes because you suddenly go, I know if I just focus here, and I do the work, and I, you know, I execute like I know how. Then the results of ten x saying yes to that other thing. Right. Yeah. Got you. And and so, just love to hear a little bit of your thoughts on what is the impact that that um, high denim and do lectures is, is having on on Cardigan. How close are you to getting those four hundred people or jobs back? Are you noticing a an uptick in the economy? Share with me your thoughts on that. Well, I think, um, I mean, I mean, firstly, if you ask my mum, like she's, she still doesn't quite understand why I'm not a carpenter. And I mean, I tell you that story because it's like the responsibility for you as a, as a person, as a leader is to have incredible dreams. Right. And so it's because your mum will have safe ones. I mean, like being a carpenter was safe. She just didn't know how bad I was at carpentry. <laughs> right. um, so, and also like to get 400 people the jobs back, I know, like I believe in, um, you know, 
the pursuit of trying to get better each day than you were yesterday. And right. the compound interest of that, 1% better over a year is 3,500% better. Mm. Um, and people always look for the big swing and, you know, let's hit the ball out of the park. Um, and I'm really interested in that thing of if you want to achieve your moon shots, um, then work each day on your day shots. And right. so I think for me, it's, you know, like the impact right now, come June, we'll have 25 people in Hyatt Denim. And, but the also thing is the compound interest. I know most of the jobs are going to come later. Right. And so they're going, oh, that's a long way for 400, Dave. You know, um, yeah, um, I'm going, yeah, but the small, you know, and that's how compound interest works, right? You know, some, so something small over a long term, you know, becomes something big. And so, uh, you know, in year nine, year 10, you know, if things go well, then actually maybe you'll be suddenly there'll be a year where you employ an extra 50 people. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's that thing of just like, have your moonshots, 400 people, it's a crazy dream, tick. But ask yourself this today, so how can I get better than I was yesterday? And, right. and that's, the, that's the real genius. If you keep asking that every day, you go, wow, in, in a year's time, three and a half thousand percent better. Yeah, that's that's an unbelievable um, uh, number there. I had never really thought about it like that. That's yeah. that's, that's and really. And the thing for us now is, you know, we're you know we grew forty three percent last year. We grew forty eight percent the year before that. We at the moment we're predicted to grow between seventy seven and eighty percent more this year. Um, wow! And so it's you know it's just making sure that you're at fighting weight you know, everybody's like super super you know, um, understanding of the job that they need to do mm. and you know it's you know I've always the reason I had all those posters as a kid around my bedroom you know Adidas you know Nike Puma you know Wrangler Levi's is when I was looking at all my walls and the ceiling, you know, the only things my mom had a rule, you know, you have to leave the door handle so we can see it and you can't cover any windows, but the rest I had posters. <laughs> um, but when I was a little kid, I used to dream going, actually, I'm going to go and build something like this. And my dream for Hyatt is to go and create like an incredible brand that makes you feel something and, and, you know, to get 400 people their jobs back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just such a, an incredible vision and, and goal that you have, and I have no doubt that you will you will get there. Um, I, I am absolutely pained. I have to say that I have to bring this to an end because I know your time is valuable. Um, but I so appreciate you joining us uh, today, David, and sharing that with us. Oh, brilliant! Um, yeah. Just just as you're leaving, where can folks find out more about you? Well, um, I'm. You know, follow Hyatt Denim, follow, follow Do Lectures. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely busy in the social media world. Um, we're renowned for the newsletters we do for both. Um, uh, you know, and, you know, we're on Twitter and, you know, we're, we're kind of everywhere that you probably are as well. So. <laughs> 
That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, David, and, and sharing your story. Uh, My I pleasure. Know everybody's going to love it. And all the best in your next meeting where you've got to go say no. <laughs> okay, thank you. Take care. Thanks a lot, David. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.